one side. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engines running, commit, liftoff. Hey, good afternoon and welcome to SWAT Radio. It is May 31st. I'm Doug McCary of His Life Ministries. And today and tomorrow, I'm very blessed to have Dr. Chuck Coker uh, in the studio with me. Uh, Dr. Coker and I go back a long time. He's got a website called lifethrive.com that you can go to and learn more about him and his ministry and his expertise in a lot of different areas. God's given him a lot of experiences. He's been a trainer. Uh, he he is really, really gifted in the ability of, uh, I don't know what you call it, Chuck, if it's motivation. Uh, I, I'm trying to remember the words you call, what you call it. But the bottom line is knowing how people respond to s- different stimuli, what motivates them and and how to how to use that in an effective way? You do it for companies, but also in churches now, don't you? Yes, um, about oh gosh, seventy five percent of my business now is in faith based institutions, where we try to help them get a higher quality of training that many faith based institutions do not get. In other words, we're trying to bring corporate quality training to the faith based institution, and we do that by using assessments. And on the website, they can uh, go to uh, lifethrive.com, and there's a link for free assessments, and they can take a spiritual gifts assessment, a fruit of the spirit assessment, behavior values assessment, all of which will help them better understand how God created them and how they can focus their lives to help bring about the kingdom. And and so... It, you spent a lot of your time over the last 30-plus years studying data, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Is it data or data? Oh, I want to hear from somebody who <laughs> uses it a lot. Is well, it like tomato, tomato? I mean, because exactly. I've heard it called both ways by people. Yeah. So anyway, but you spend a lot of time doing, uh, looking at the data or data and uh, helping companies and churches and, you know, uh, nonprofits work through how you can use it. And we were very blessed last Wednesday night to have you share with our SWAT guys using measurables is what you called them uh, for spiritual growth. Absolutely. And without a measurable, you can't move towards an objective. If you don't know where you're starting from, it's, it's kind of like if you don't know where you are, how are you going to get to where you're going? Well, isn't it interesting that even Jesus grew in wisdom and stature? Absolutely. <laughs> so how do we know he grew in wisdom and stature if there's no measurables, mm-hmm. right? I mean, well, but, his dad was his measurable, <laughs> you yeah. know. But but my point is that so often we just coast in the spiritual life mm-hmm. after we have an initial salvation experience. There's some initial excitement, and then we we try to emulate, I guess, the person closest to us that we think best optimizes what the spiritual life is. But one of the things you brought out Wednesday night that I think is really a key for people that might be listening today is that 
that everybody's different. Mm-hmm. We have different experiences, different personalities, and that has to be factored into our spiritual growth even and the way we train, doesn't it? Exactly. And, you know, churches have the exact opposite mindset. They want to plug the holes in the church mm-hmm. uh, for service where God says, I'm calling you to something. And if we have an understanding of our genetics or the genetic code, Jeremiah one five, mm-hmm. that God knitted together while we were in the womb and why he placed us where he did, Esther four four, mm-hmm. for such a time as this, then we have a better understanding how we can function in the kingdom and how we can actually glorify God. And the way we glorify God is by becoming the person he created us to be. Yeah, because we we have a calling on our life, each exactly. one of us. I was talking to a guy this morning who is in law enforcement but who is a strong believer, and he said, this is my ministry mm-hmm. because this is the calling God's placed on his life. And, you know, growing up, a lot of times we had this idea that being called to ministry was that you were a full-time pastor or worship leader, or youth pastor, but we're all kingdom priests out in the world. That's that's right. And I would encourage the the listeners out there to grab a book. It's an older book. It's twenty plus years old, but it's called "Your Work Matters to God" by a fellow by the name of Sherman, mm-hmm. and it really points out exactly what you brought up, Doug. We are all called to be ministers. Mm-hmm. We're not all called to be pastors. We're not all called to be evangelists, and the key is understanding what is our calling, and without some sort of way to assess your growth and development, you don't really understand where you are in this process, and therefore, how do you grow something you don't understand? Well, and you know, the thing is, it's interesting to me, from, from Exodus, God commissioned Moses with the covenant of the Ten Commandments. Mm -hmm. And he said, you know, you are a kingdom of priests back in Exodus 19. Mm -hmm. But Peter picks up on it in 1 Peter 2.9 and says the same thing. Mm -hmm. So our concept, I I, I bet if you took a survey of American churches that would consider themselves evangelical, conservative to the Bible churches, that 80% of them would acknowledge probably in their mind, yes, we're all supposed to be ministering some way, but they don't see themselves as a priest or priestess, which ministers not only to people on behalf of God, but intervenes with God on behalf of people. I was reading in the Old Testament earlier today that, uh, you know, he was a priest who ministered to Yahweh. I mean, you know, and I don't think about that a lot of times. We don't think about priests ministering to Yahweh, but it's serving Yahweh is what it is. And uh, I just think we miss out on that in our culture. Well, we do, Doug, but we also miss out on the fact that our work is a part of our worship. It is. And when you think about your work as part of worship, You don't worry about what the vocation is. Mm -hmm. You worry about the impact you're having on people. Mm -hmm. And you see, 
that's the thing that we miss, especially in the Christian community, Mm. is the fact that we are so wrapped up in what we do that we miss the whole concept of what we're becoming. Mm. And what we're becoming is much more important to God than what we do because he controls everything and he can manipulate things. He can change circumstances. He can give us favor or remove the favor from Mm. us. But we are the ones that have to become what we need to be in order to minister properly. Otherwise, we're leading people in the wrong direction. And it doesn't matter if you are a student in a school or if you're an adult out in the workplace. You know, we're kingdom priest, mm-hmm. and I, I when I think of, um, you know, uh, when uh, Hannah prayed and God gave her a child. Yeah. And that child was, you know, staying with God's prophet and God called to him at a young age. And he said he didn't recognize his voice even. Exactly. But he started being a priest very soon because God told him things that he was afraid to share with his mentor. Exactly. But he was called to do that. And there. You know, so a lot of times we dismiss younger people or d- dismiss people as being able to serve. And I, the reason I bring that up is because I don't know if you heard about it. Ellie Garcia was one of the 19 children murdered out at Uvalde. And this just came out a couple, uh, today or yesterday that, um, that, that the father of this young girl, who I think was a fourth grader, um, made a TikTok video where she said, hey, guys, I just wanted to give you a catch-up. Jesus, he died for us, so when we die, we'll be up there with him. In my room, I have three pictures of him. That was all she said. Whoa. That's serious. It is, but she put that out. Her father put that out on TikTok that his girl was broadcasting that as a fourth grader, and now she's with him. Mm -hmm. She's with Jesus. And, you know, we don't grieve for Ellie. We grieve for her family yes. because Ellie is with her king. Ellie is with her Lord. And, um, you know, you you think about that little girl and you think about the guy who murdered them. Such a stark difference mm-hmm. in, in mentality. What's the difference, Chuck? What's the difference between the Ellie's of the world and the guy who went in there, I'm not going to call his name, but the guy who went in there and murdered those kids um, pretty much in cold blood out of anger and hate. You know, I, I grew up, um, not grew up, but I, I had a guy tell me one time, and I stuck with me a long time ago, hurt people hurt people. You mm-hmm. know, and this kid obviously was hurt, His, you know, uh, and there's no justification for what he did. But when we come back from this break, we got to go to the break. I really would like to hear you speak to that of what 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 made a difference in Ellie's life versus this kid's life, maybe. You bet. All right. Hey, you're listening to SWAT Radio. I have Dr. Chuck Coker. Uh, his website is Life Thrive. That's L-I-F-E-T-H-R-I-V-E dot com. Also, when we come back, 
he's going to share a little bit about an upcoming book he's got that will be coming out about helping you grow in your spiritual life. If you want, you can listen to this or any past program at SWATradio.com. We'll be right back with more on SWAT Radio. Stay tuned. This program has the potential to reach millions of men each week. If you'd like to learn how you can support this unique program that is helping men understand the truth about Jesus through God's Word and how to impact their lives and the lives of others, then go to www.swatradio.com. Then click on the donate link to help SWAT Radio pass on the truth for the next generation. Highway to Eternity Ministries is a ministry dedicated to encouraging those who have lost hope and coming alongside those who cannot find peace and are considered unfit for inclusion in Christ's church. They use published works to teach God's Word and share encouraging testimonies of transformed lives. Highway to Eternity Ministries serves as a parachurch ministry that comes alongside churches to share its passion and commitment through spiritual writings, nuances, and experiences to everyone who has an interest in the teachings of Jesus Christ. For more information, contact Jeff Andrews at 904-436-5175. There is good news for the captive, good news for the shame. There is good news for the world who walked away. There is good news for the doubter, the one religion failed for the good Lord. Hey, welcome back to SWAT Radio. It is Thursday, not Thursday, sorry, Tuesday. <laughs> I'm jumping ahead already because it's almost June, but it's May 31st. Man, it's hard to believe, Chuck, isn't it? June 2022. Amazing. It's just time's flying. We're with Dr. Chuck Coker of A Life Thrive. And uh, he uh, does a lot of different things. I've known Chuck a long time. We we uh, spent time uh, in Russia together uh, doing ministry over there, and we just uh, had a special relationship. One thing I didn't uh, say is his better half, uh, Tracy mm-hmm. uh, and Chuck, uh, have many many children i think they're the only people that have as many children as we do or more uh around here that we know but um boy you know chuck raising that many children to the large families there's a dynamic that takes place in large families that we're missing in our culture now that's for sure uh, one of the things that um you brought up earlier what's the difference between little ellie and and, and this yeah, other fellow and that is, is when you bring up a child in a Christian home, you teach them to reason through things. It's, it's kind of like um, it's an upside-down world. The things you see aren't real, mm-hmm. and the things that you don't see are the things that are eternal, according to Second Corinthians 4.18. But in a Christian home, not only do they receive the knowledge of Christ— they receive the understanding of how life events can mold them and strengthen them into a kingdom person to reason through. Mm-hmm. You see, there's there 
there is no lasting eternal value in a flat tire. And yet people lose it over a flat tire. And what we have to see is the fact that our reasoning abilities, which I've been charting since 1993. And since 1993, the reasoning ability of the younger generation has decreased 24%. It's a mental skill set called avoidance. In, the, it's, in other words, it's developing that level of sophistication that helps you understand that there's handwriting on the wall here, and it's telling us not to do this because the consequences long-term are going to hurt us. And one of the favorite phrases that I have taught the people that I counsel in my own children is short-term positive payoffs almost always lead to long-term negative effects. Really? Say that again, okay. Short-term positive payoffs almost always lead to long-term negative effects. And what they've they've seen just recently, ABC and NBC News says, that just taking something like ibuprofen mm-hmm. actually causes your pain level to increase. It immediately erases, but what it does is it builds up that tolerance so that the pain is actually worse the next time. Wow. And so what we're doing is we're gathering knowledge in this information society, but we don't understand how we get there. And that's what helicopter parents uh, are doing to their children. That's what parents that are vicariously living through their children do. They don't teach them to understand. And let me give you a good example. When you and I grew up, if we wanted to play baseball on Sunday after church, we went down to the ballpark. Somebody brought a glove. Somebody brought uh, a baseball. Somebody brought uh, a couple shirts that we could use for bases, and we chose upsides and we played. Mm-hmm. Now, you you register. You write a check for $199. You're told where to show up. Your uniform comes in the mail. You don't have to think. And you see, that's the problem that we're living with right now is the children that are growing up don't understand the reasoning behind what the laws are of the land or what God's laws are. And it robs them of that ability to think of the long-term consequences. That's why I use that phrase constantly. Well, you know, um, and if you go to the book of Deuteronomy, which is one of my favorite books in the Bible, by the way, Mm -hmm. uh, it's favorite for a couple of reasons. One, because it's the book Jesus quoted three times when he was in a battle with Satan, Mm -hmm. you know, out in the wilderness. And over and over in that book, you hear the phrase, teach this to your children. Yes. Share this with your children and your children's children. And, you know, one of the responsibilities of parents is to teach their children consequences. Mm-hmm. And that goes along with the reasoning, right? I mean, mm-hmm. if you can learn as an elementary age child that there's a negative consequence, it will save you. Uh, maybe a greater consequence when you're a teenage child. Uh, And I think that talking about helicopter parents and some other types of what I call 
rescues. We rescue our kids a lot of times from consequences. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think of that great theologian, Charles Bronson, (laughs) from Uh a long time ago, uh, who said, we spend a lifetime trying to save our children from consequences that made men out of us. That's right. That's absolutely right. And uh, so, in fact, we were speaking about that before the program today about this shooter out in Texas and how this reasoning ability is something we've lost. How do we get back? I mean, how do we as a church, as, as Christian parents, how can we help with this, this deficit that we have in our country right now? Well, I think years ago, James Dobson brought a very good point up, and that is the fact that the average dad spends about six minutes a week with their children. And, you know, um, I can't tell you how important just quantity time is to children. As we raised our nine kids, we had every Wednesday night a family night. Every Saturday morning, I took one of my kids to breakfast and spent two to three hours with them. And Saturday afternoon, I watched the kids and Tracy took one of the others. And so what we have to do is take the time to interact with so that our children are open to conversation with our parents. Most of us see our children, once they hit middle school, going to their peers for answers rather than coming to their parents. The way you eliminate that is by being not just a parent but a friend in many ways to your parents so that the conversation is open and that you can reason through some of the things. And never punish a child without giving them the reason for the punishment and what the consequences could have been had things gotten worse rather than better. Let me ask you a question. As you've researched a lot of different areas of motivations and stuff, how has the information age and the access to information for young people uh, impacted, you know, that reasoning? Have you looked at that at all? Because I, I see, like, if you go out to a restaurant now, you will see a family of six and everybody sitting at the table is on a device. Yeah. And and so I know that we, you know, everybody says get away from the screens, but I'm just wondering what you think about how that impacts the, the reasoning of people, at, you know, because they get information unfiltered. Where you and I grew up with our dads, our uncles, our, our authority structures – and we've seen all the authority structures pretty much dismissed now in our culture. Schools, churches, pretty much young people today, they don't count those things as valuable like we did growing up. Well, they don't because television and radio have said that it's okay to say what you think, and therefore we value that just as important as what God thinks. Mm-hmm. And you see, that's the problem. God was very, very wonderful to the world for many years. He allowed the Jews to be the historians. He allowed the Jews to be the, the, the record keepers 
of what was right and what was wrong. And during that time, he even used the Jews as illustrations of how to screw up and the consequences, Mm -hmm. especially in the Old Testament, Mm -hmm. um, where the directive in the New Testament was much more of a refinement process. So what has happened is our society has elevated people that fight on TV, that lie, Mm -hmm. and that promote their own agenda by saying, if you don't promote yourself, nobody will. Well, i got to tell you, what I've learned in my life, uh, Doug, is the fact that nobody gives you favor with another person except God. Mm. Yeah, I... I, uh... I think about Joseph when you say that and how Joseph was sold uh, by his brothers into slavery and everywhere he went, it says God gave him favor. Yes. God is the one who gives favor and he takes favor away. And, you know, a lot of times we equate that favor with his his blessing for our obedience or disobedience and punishment when he doesn't. And sometimes it's just his plan, you know, and I I think we forget that it's not because sometimes you can do the right things and you, you get thrust into tough situations Mm -hmm. and we can tend to think, well, what good does it do to follow a God that allows me to have to go through that? I've actually had conversations with guys who, who said, you know, I've done everything. I've read my Bible. I've given to the church, go on mission trips, and God didn't keep his word. Because <laughs> he says if I do those things, he's going to bless me. Well, here, here's the thing that they're missing. What they're doing is not as important as the motive behind what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And you see, that's where we have a problem. Because life is not what God is doing to you. Life is what God is doing for you. You get that? Life is not what God is doing to you. Life is what God is doing for you. Dr. Chuck Coker, his website is lifethrive.com. L-I-F-E-T-H-R-I-V-E.com. Hey, we're going to take a quick break for the news on the half hour. We're going to come right back, and he's going to be sharing with us about the spiritual maturity journey and some uh, things that can help us along that way that hopefully will be encouraging to you. So stay tuned on SWAT Radio. We'll be right back. If you've been walking the same old road for miles and miles If you've been hearing the same old voice of the same old lies If you're trying to feel the same old holes inside There's a better life There's a better life If you got pain He's a pain Hey, welcome back to SWAT Radio. It's uh, Doug McCary of His Light Ministries. It is Tuesday. I hope everybody had a good Memorial Day. I thought a lot of my friend, uh, Major Pat Wheeler, who uh, passed away back in 1990 in a plane crash, and uh, he was my best friend 
in the Marine Corps, and uh, I was the first one on the site. And um, it was a it was a very difficult time for me. He served this country well. So many others that served. And remember, Memorial Day is about those who serve and lose their life. That's why we um, we have Memorial Day to remember those that have, have given their greatest sacrifice. And so, um, don't forget guys like Pat and others who uh, laid it down for everybody. Uh, you know, Chuck, back in uh, 1970, have you ever heard of a guy named Dr. Armand Nicoli? I have not. All right, he was a psychiatrist at Harvard Medical School on staff there. And he said certain trends that are prevalent today will incapacitate the family. This is back in the 70s. Mm-hmm. So this is, you're talking about 50 years ago. Uh, it will destroy the integrity of of the family cause its members to suffer such crippling emotional conflict that they will become an intolerable burden to society. If any one factor influences the character development and emotional stability uh, of an individual, it is the quality of the relationship he or she experiences as a child with both their parents. Would you agree with that? A hundred percent. And and I, I think when we look at this shooter out in Uvalde, he had no father present in his life that we know of. His mother was a drug addict. Mm-hmm. Uh, his grandfather was a convicted felon. And we, we don't know that there's any positive influence. He tended to be a loner. And it's just sad to me because there's thousands of, young men and women out there like that that are just basically ripe for satanic picking is what it is. And the church has a responsibility to grow, um, to, to grow in its influence over people like that. And if we are spiritually maturing, Mm -hmm. when we're around people like that, if we show them love, instead of joining the crowd and making fun of them and we stand up for those people, we can make a difference. People don't forget. I was sharing the other day of how I I received a call from a young man from 10 years ago in a Bible study who is struggling and who was right for the picking with some tarot cards, some satanic, other occultist stuff, and he didn't know who to call, but he remembered this guy from 10 years ago that loved Jesus, that was real. That was his words. Loved Jesus and was real. And in your book that's coming out, you lay out the growth to spiritual maturity. And what that young man was witnessing in me was not somebody who's fully mature, but somebody who is maturing. Correct. Can you define the difference between maturing and mature? Do we ever get mature here? Well, I, I think that we have to look to First John 2, 12 through 14. And if you, if you read the typical English Bible, you're going to see three divisions, the child, the young man, and the church father. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the church father is one of those people that you would expect to be fully mature, and yet it never says they're fully mature. All it really says is that you have understood God from the beginning. Mm -hmm. In other words, you understand how God reasons. 
Mm-hmm. And you see, that's why much more so at this point in my life, I listen to the Bible more than reading the Bible because I want to understand how God thinks. Mm-hmm. I know the stories. I've been around for a well, little while. Well, you've read through the Bible many times, haven't you? <laughs> Over 50 now. Yeah. So it's, it's a matter now of not just knowing the stories. And, and I, I was blessed for seven years to be a department head at a seminary in the UK and even teaching it. But understanding is the key. This is wisdom that we're talking about. So let's let's talk about spiritual maturity for just a minute. Okay. If we take the Greek words, we have to start with technion. Technion means an infant child that is totally and completely dependent. In other words, this is someone that accepted Christ tonight at church. Now what do I do? <laughs> and so we have a person who's still going to be feeling the same temptations that they felt before, but they need some direction. And at that point, we have to start pouring into them because we want them to become a uh, paideon, which is a learning child, a child who's beginning to understand the process Mm -hmm. and beginning to understand how things work. But they need that education, and that's where, do you know, that over 60% of the people that sit in churches today are technion. Well, I I believe that. I do. Well, and, and, you know, I want to ask you a question just to follow up on that. One of the things I see is because grown men and women can understand the written words of the Bible and they can understand the general overarching concept of a guy dying on a cross for their sin, at least in theory, a lot of people believe that because they can read things in the Bible, that they are mature because they understand what it says from a what I would call a purely human standpoint. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? What makes I'm saying all the sense in the world, and it's Isaiah and and you know Paul talks about this. We we hear, but we don't understand. We see, but we don't grasp do the you, principles. Do you see that as being a big problem in the American church? It's huge. Again, I'm going to go back to that reasoning thing that we talked about. And it's a matter of having knowledge but not having wisdom. Mm-hmm. And the way we gain wisdom is to reason through God's principles. That's why the Bible is so complex. You can read the same verse 10 different times, and God's going to talk to you 10 different ways. Mm-hmm. And, you know, here's the interesting thing. I don't know if you've ever read the book, um, The Bible Code. It was written about 15, 20 years ago, but it talks about the depth and dimension of how the scriptures were written. They have a software program that now will analyze the, the Pentateuch, the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, but... In it, we see that the average person grasp maybe two, possibly three dimensions of life. Yeah. The scripture were written in seven dimensions. Wow. In other words, that's why the Bible says, my ways are higher than your ways. And so what God is really trying to do is help us bring those things in so that we can apply them, so that we can move from technion and paideon 
to that young spiritual ad- adult that the Bible says in First John two twelve and 14, that they are strong, they have defeated Satan, they have won battles. But then when you move to Pater, the church father, you find one remarkable difference. The difference is not just doing great deeds, not just accomplishing things for the kingdom, but discipling people. Mm-hmm. That is the ultimate. And it's Matthew twenty eight nineteen. It's It's a commandment, Doug. It's not something we have an option to. So God is telling us if we want to mature, then we have to do what he's asking us to do. And he's asking us to make disciples pour into people. Billy Graham said it best. People come into the kingdom one person at a time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they do. And, you know, what's striking to me is that how, how, how do you make disciples if you don't share the gospel? And That's if in 95% of the people in churches aren't sharing the gospel, they, they're consumer in their orientation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, part of I mean, when you think about it that way, uh, Dr. Coker, like a baby's a consumer. Mm-hmm. I mean, it makes perfect sense what you're talking about, what John talks about, because a baby is a consumer. A baby doesn't contribute to anything. That's right. But that's the way 90% of the church is in mm-hmm. this country. And you know why? It's because we place the pastor in the position that we have placed them in. They take the scriptures, exegete the scriptures, and tell us so that we don't have to think and we don't have to reason. They spoon feed us. They yeah. spoon feed us. And Bill Mounts, um, the world's foremost um, Greek man, he is a Greek, Greek man, scholar, yeah. yes, says this, seminaries are turning out seminary professors, not pastors. Mm. And, you know, pastors aren't taught how to run the business of church. They're not taught how to do the things, uh, in many cases, even as simplistically as discipling. Well, in fact, I, I have talked to quite a few pastors over the last 10, 12 years they're not discipling anybody. Exactly. I mean, they see their discipleship as teaching on Sunday, but that's that's not that that's can be considered maybe a part, a small part of discipleship, but without accountability and life on life, there is no discipleship. Well, it's the difference between two spiritual gifts, Doug. It's the difference between teaching and pastoring. Yeah. You see, you can be the best teacher, the best um um, trainer, um, orator yeah. as possible, but never disciple a soul. Mm. And so we have to understand the giftings and how they work. And when you look at the difference between a teacher and a pastor, there's two completely different roles. You can teach somebody something, but if you don't walk alongside of them, and help them understand the implications, repercussions, and the reasoning process behind God's direction, then they are not going to grow. Well, you know, in in the Hebrew culture, the Jewish culture, a disciple is called a Talmud, plural Talmudim, and it, encomp- it basically encompasses three things. A community around the Torah, around God's Word, 
with a passion to be like the teacher who was Jesus. Yeah. I think we're missing that passion to be like our teacher. Exactly. Which is leads to us to want to grow spiritually, right? Uh, hey, you're listening to Dr. Chuck Coker. His website is lifethrive.com. We're going to be right back with more with him. Stay tuned. After this last break, we'll come back with our final segment on SWAT Radio. If you'd like to contact SWAT Radio, the toll-free number is 1-844-777-7928. That's 844-777-7928 or 844-777-SWAT. You can also listen to this program through the WTRJ The Truth app from the App Store or over the Internet by accessing www.swatradio.com. We'll be back shortly for further discussion and to take your calls. We're so grateful for having people like Tom Neal Truck Company sponsoring SWAT Radio. Tom Neal Truck Company is located at 417 Edgewood Avenue South in Jacksonville, Florida. Tom Neal is a full-service franchise truck dealer for Freightliner, Western Star, Volvo, Isuzu, and Sprinter vans offering new and used truck sales, service, parts and truck rental and leasing to the North Florida and South Georgia truck market. More information on Tom Neal Truck Company is located at www.tomneal.com. That's www.tomnehl.com. I push, I pull, go back and forth, finding myself. Pounding on a locked door, I try to make it out alone without your help. But I know I never win this war. I can never be, never be free without you. I can never be, never be me without you. Hey, welcome back to uh, SWAT Radio. It's Doug McCary uh, from His Light Ministries with my good friend, Dr. Chuck Coker. And, uh, you know, Chuck, we went to Russia, gosh, 20-something years ago, maybe, almost. Uh, or, 2001. Yeah, so 21 years ago. Yeah. Golly. <laughs> we were kids, man. I know. <laughs> well, we went over there. What stands out most about that trip for you going over there? Well, <laughs> I know this may sound maybe even a little ego, but i got to tell you, Doug, the Bible says going to the ends of the earth. We went to the ends of the earth. In fact, the name of it was Yamal, where we went, which translates ends of the earth. (laughs) But Solacard, Russia, on the Arctic Circle, during the summer when there is no darkness, was was quite an experience. But, But you know what? That, to me, is one of the highlights of my life, Doug. Being there with pastors who did not even have a Bible. And when we left, fortunately, the translators came in. Yes. And Create Wycliffe was there, mm-hmm. ready to translate the Bible for those 28 guys that we ministered to and and taught them how to preach, teach, and what else. It, it was awesome. And we, I just remember when we were there, because we were there in the summer, and it was long. The days were really long. You remember that? The I do. Nights, the nights weren't very short. Well, um, as, as we go back to this issue of spiritual maturity and discipleship, um, you know, as people who are discipling, 
there's a lot of men out in our world who think they have to have a Ph.D. to be a disciple of somebody else. They have to have their Ph.D. in their spirituality. Uh, and you and I both know we're very flawed men. Absolutely. Uh, and, and just because we love Jesus and because we've been training and helping others, our flaws are still there. Mm-hmm. God refines them. But can you speak to that guy out there that goes, you know what? I've got so many things I've messed up in my life. I'm, I don't feel worthy to disciple somebody else. But mm-hmm. he knows Jesus. He loves Jesus. He's just mm-hmm. a little intimidated at the thought of trying to help somebody with that. Can you speak to that? Sure. I, I, the first question I would ask them is, which one of your sins is it that God can't forgive you? <laughs> and when they realize that there is literally nothing that God can't forgive them for, mm-hmm. and that look at the people of the Old Testament, Abraham couldn't tell the truth a good portion of the time, and he taught his son Isaac to say the same things. Hey, you know, I, you know, you bring Abraham up, and my wife pointed out some the other day that I had never thought of. Do you know uh, where Hagar, how Hagar came to be with Abraham and Sarah? Yes, uh, it was she offered her maidservant to Abraham. I know, but but Hagar was from Egypt, right? Correct. She was a slave that had been obtained as uh, part of the gifting from Pharaoh. I know. Think about that. Yes. What what did Abraham do to Pharaoh? He lied to Pharaoh. Exactly. And and he gets a Hebrew, I mean he gets an Egyptian slave who ends up being the mother of pretty much the human effort of Abraham mm-hmm. to to I mean I'd never thought about that and and Lori was bringing that out the other day because the Ishmaelites who were a product of that, Mm -hmm. were the ones that took Joseph back into Egypt. I never have thought about that. Absolutely. Isn't that wild? It is. Because Egypt was always symbolic of sin, and Joseph is always a picture of Christ, Christ going into the heart of sin Mm -hmm. to deliver his people. Mm -hmm. I never even thought about that. That's isn't that wild? That's great insight. Yeah, that's my wife getting that midrash there. <laughs> so anyway, she Lori has become quite the student of the word. But, you know, it, it, we were just talking the other day about how God has grown our own understanding over the years. And, Chuck, I don't know anybody that's wanted to grow in the Lord and wanted to grow in the knowledge of the word that hasn't. I agree 100%. It's all about motivation. That's why, you know, uh, Jesus said what he did to the Pharisees. Uh, you tithe even out of your cumin and, and your herbs, but where's your heart? Mm-hmm. Your heart's in the wrong place. Well, tell us a little bit about this book that's coming out. You're working on a book that's supposed to be out pretty soon. And tell us what motivated you to write it. I know you've been working on it a long time. Yeah. I mean, uh I mean, as long as I've known you, you've you've always had a book back there in your mind about a, one of them you you were talking about accountancy. Basically, mm-hmm. they all deal with this idea of community and growth 
and relationship with the Lord. So talk a little bit about what motivates you to write this and who it's for. Well, uh, I was meeting with the elders of the fastest growing church in America. And one of their questions was, how do we get spiritual maturity into the pews? And one of the statements that was made was just the fact that people come to church and yet they walk away from church and it stays in church rather than going home with them. Mm -hmm. So spiritual maturity is really a simple outgrowth of us developing the fruit of the Spirit. So spiritual maturity, based on 1 John 2, 12 through 14, the dependent child, the learning child, the young adult, and the spiritual father only occurs as the fruit of the Spirit begins to develop and deepen within us. So the focus of the way of spiritual maturity, which is the upcoming book, defines the levels of spiritual maturity that I've just shared with you in detail and what is the benefit of it. And the benefit is just plain prosperity. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's four Hebrew words for prosperity, uh, starting with sakal, which is used 69 minutes, which means completion or, or success in something. And here's the thing, Doug. You can go back, and the last time that prosperity was defined properly by Webster's Dictionary was the 1947 edition, because everything since then has been related to financial growth. In fact, that's the first thing. When you say that, the first thing that pops into your mind is money. money. And In fact, there's a lot of, quote, prosperity preachers who preach a prosperity gospel out there who've don't understand Hebrew. That's <laughs> yeah. that's the point. Yeah. Because even you saying that, I'm telling you, flags go off in my head because I think, oh, no. But that's not the way it should be, is it? No, no. There's the four Hebrew words talk about what, not just what prosperity is, seeking, accomplishing. But, it, I mean, words like tobe uh, mean a good image that is projected, sakal, which means that you have achieved a level where people respect you. And shalim, not shalom, is that state of spiritual contentment, peace, and completion. Mm -hmm. So when we talk about prosperity, there is absolutely nothing to do with finances, but the state of the human mind within God's concept Mm -hmm. of prosperity. So when God says, you know, when he talks about having an abundant life, he came to give us an abundant life. Mm-hmm. He's talking about that kind of prosperity. Exactly. Right? And that's the pro- kind of prosperity that makes us complete, mm-hmm. it, that gives us the peace that passes understanding and allows us to take the time discipling mm-hmm. And helping a person reason through. The the Bible says very plainly, work out your salvation mm-hmm. with fear and trembling. So what he's actually saying to us is you have to begin reasoning through this process. This is not something you can see or that you can apprentice, you know, with 
weaving or something like that. This is something you've got to think about and reason so that the Spirit of God can come in you. I love what Tozier said. You have to decide what spirit is going to live inside of you. Mm, That's good. And either the Spirit of God or an oppressive spirit from Satan or a possession by Satan. Now, fortunately, as believers, we're not going to be possessed, but I can guarantee you we can be oppressed. We can be oppressed, and we will be oppressed. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think that's, um, I think that there's a lot of oppression going on in our country. Right Absolutely. Uh, and because people don't walk in victory, and they don't walk, you know, I was reading a psalm today that David prayed. It, you know, if you're struggling out there, you go camp out in the Psalms because mm-hmm. David praised the Lord. This man was not a perfect man. He committed a lot of sins in his life. Yeah. He struggled. But, you know, he, God says he was a man after his own heart. Mm-hmm. And some of these Psalms, the one I read today, in fact, I just I want to close with it because it's just, you know, Chuck, it's so good to hear the word. Like you said, you were listening, and it it's just David talking about how awesome God is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for people who don't spend time in the Word every day, this is my food every morning. There you go. For my body. Incline your ear, O Lord, and answer me. I'm poor and needy. Psalm 86. Preserve my life, for I am godly. Save your servant who trusts in you. You are my God. Be gracious to me, O Lord. For to you do I cry all the day. Gladden the soul of your servant. For to you, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. For you, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you. I mean, that that is That's just it. good right there. So I hope that you will cry out to him no matter what you've done, no matter where you are. Let your rest be in him. He's our fortress. Hey, you're listening to SWAT Radio We're going to have Dr. Coker back again tomorrow, so tune in tomorrow. For this or any past program, go to SWATradio.com. Click on the past program link. We'll be back tomorrow. Have a great night, and God bless you. If you missed a SWAT radio broadcast this week and would like to hear any show in its entirety,